usually if people are disordered in one area of their life, money is an area where there is disorder. If there's conflict in one area of their life, there's going to be conflict over finances. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Dr. Jim Neuheiser, who serves as the director of the Christian Counseling Program at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. Jim's been a leader in the biblical counseling movement for a number of years. He served as a pastor, as a professor, as a counselor, as a speaker, and has also written several books. And it's in that last role that I would like to speak with him today. The Lord's allowed him to write a brand new book entitled Money, Debt, and Finances. What an incredibly relevant topic. So, so Jim, can you just start by telling our listeners when you became involved in the biblical counseling movement and how important it's been in your life and ministry over the years? Sure. Steve, actually, I first heard of biblical counseling in 1977, is that right? That I had a friend at Baylor University who was a psych major, and he said this weird book has come out <laughs> claiming that psychology is all messed up and the Bible is sufficient. And I remember thinking, sounds good to me. Huh. And so I later bought the book, but I was busy doing youth work, a mm-hmm. job, seminary, and so it was actually when I was in Saudi Arabia of all places, I brought a bunch of books to read, and I had time to read when I was working there, and I read Competent to Counsel and I read Christian Counselor's Manual and was greatly blessed and just thought, yes, this is the way to go. And then after I'd been in Saudi for a year, which also relates to the money topic, as we'll get to that, I was made the leader of an underground church in Saudi Arabia of English-speaking folk working there. And as pastor, people started coming to me with their problems, and I really had those two books and a couple homework manuals by Wayne Mack as my whole library. That is amazing. But I had confidence as a guy in his mid-20s that the Word of God had answers, and that's how I got into it. Then I went to Westminster, California when I got kicked out of Saudi Arabia and studied under your dear friend, George Scipione, who's with the Lord, and mm-hmm. had some studies also with Jay Adams, and kind of went from there. You know, doesn't that show the power of publishing and how God can use a book? It's so amazing how many people have a story similar and that competent to counsel was used to have a dramatic impact on them. But who would have thought of a guy taking competent to counsel to Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and then having some time to read it and for a book to have that kind of an influence on you? Your book on putting your past in its place has been so powerful in the lives of people we've counseled. There's a lady who was several years in a sinful relationship, abusive relationship with a pastor. And Caroline took her through that book, and it enabled her to get past that. She's married with kids, and mm-hmm. she's thriving. And she gave a testimony in front of my counseling class of how God used that book to bring her to peace about her past, confessing her sin, also being sinned against, and moving on. So books are amazing. Yeah, and doesn't that just show the grace of God? I mean, thank you for sharing that. And 
you've written books, you know what it's like. It's not, at least for me, it's not easy. And you do wonder, Lord, is this effort going to bless you in any way? Is it going to bless any person in any way? I feel so weak and inadequate. I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to guide and to use these efforts to honor you in some way. And to think about how Jay's writings influenced you in Saudi Arabia, how I might have been a blessing to somebody else, that's all just the grace of God, isn't it? Absolutely. And so th this new book on money, debt, and finances, I'm really curious, what, because we all have to decide what are we going to write about. There's so many topics. Why that one? Yeah, and as I've seen your books reflect your passions, including community. Yep. And so different things, a lot of things relating to kids and marriage, but... I was a business major in college. Oh, I went I didn't to work for a consulting company with financial and accounting issues. And one of the most dramatic things was when I was in Saudi Arabia, I was working for an oil company while I was like a tent making job while I was pastor. I made a bunch of money for a guy in his 20s in the 1980s. <laughs> and I had, was surrounded by people making a ton of money. And I had to deal with a lot of the issues of how do you handle prosperity? Give me neither poverty nor riches. If I yeah. rich, I'm rich, I forget God. I saw people make investing mistakes. I saw people making huge debt mistakes. The guy who was the best paid guy in our project wound up bankrupt living in government subsidized housing when he was oh. retired oh my. due to folly. So I observed a lot of those principles in practice. And then I just really had a passion for giving not just proof texts, but theologically grounded expositions of the Bible to relate to all issues, including financial issues. And there's a treasury of wisdom in the scriptures to speak to every aspect of finance. You know, Jim, I've known you for a long time. I did not know that part of your story, so I appreciate you sharing that. It just demonstrates how God can use different threads in His sovereign plan in our life to lead mm -hmm. us to a new area of ministry down the line, doesn't it? Yes. I think another thing that was on my mind is that there are a lot of very practical books about finances, and Dave Ramsey is extremely popular, mm -hmm. and he has a lot of wisdom principles, but for whatever is good there, it's very shallow biblically and theologically, and so my objective was kind of to create a practical but also theologically grounded, exegetically sound version of Dave Ramsey. I gave the analogy like when Dobson said a lot of things we liked in the 70s about parenting, but then Ted Tripp came along and wrote Shepherding a Child's yeah. Heart, and I, I would like mine to sell a million copies like his did. <laughs> I think my publisher would be satisfied with less than 10% of that, but I wanted it to be, yes, they're saying some good things, but there's so much more the Bible has to say about these matters that are much deeper. Hmm. The wisdom of Proverbs is grounded in relationship to God, which we know is through Christ, and there's just a lot more that could be said, hopefully not in a highly theoretical, confusing manner, mm -hmm. overwhelming, but grounding these principles in the way they're presented in the Word of God. Well, and it's interesting that we're together right now at a national conference for the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and we do believe strongly that every problem is a theological problem, and so we want the counsel that we're providing for people in whatever setting to be as theologically precise and robust as it can possibly be, don't we? Absolutely. 
Did your publisher give you any difficulties about, hey, this is going to be too biblical, too theological? Too, how, how did that right. process so play out? PNR, that's not a problem. Yeah. They are all into theology and being deeply biblical. I had written another book in the same format of questions and answers on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and so that format suits me with the short answers, and I think it makes it easier to be in bite-sized pieces, and so it was a very easy process in terms of my content. They did have some financial folks read it over to make sure I wasn't guilty of some kind of heresy, but uh-huh. it was a very easy process. They were very supportive. Mm. You know, when I was going through seminary, we had a professor in the pastoral division who said there's two things you should never talk about in church. You should never talk about sex. You should never talk about money. And he was quite serious about that. He believed that that would be off-putting to people, that that was too personal, that people didn't want their pastor talking about those topics. It would appear to me that if you wrote a book on the, the second one that you would disagree with that notion. And I'm aware that you didn't pay much attention to your professor either from being around you. And so, I mean, I really love consecutive expository ministry where these things come up more naturally. I can understand in some churches where week after week, everything's about financial stewardship, and people grow weary of that, and it's not in the text. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did a series on Proverbs where I was dealing with topics, and I did pull some sermons in on financial issues from Proverbs. So I understand why people would have those concerns, and I think that's the glory of expository, consecutive expository preaching, is you can naturally get to those points, even as applications of more general principles, without uh, sawing on the same string Mm -hmm. week after week and not giving people the full counsel of God, but nor should it be avoided. It's important. A huge percentage of the verses in Proverbs are about money. Jesus uses many parables about money. Paul does fundraising in his letters, especially to the Corinthians and to the Romans, and so there are principles there we need to follow. Yeah, and the at least the way that I took the statement that the professor made was he, he wasn't so much talking about don't talk to people about giving financially. What he meant was don't talk about how people ought to either spend their money or save their money, the personal aspect of financing. I think he was saying don't go there, because that will be off-putting. Yeah, I think because the world is telling us so many lies about money, it's very important that we give them truth from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. One lie in the culture would be it's bad to have money, hmm. that you should you know, be noble and poor and you know, save the planet or something. And the Bible admonishes us to work hard and to work smart and to produce wealth. I actually dedicated my book to the people who have worked hard, worked smart, and been generous, so I got to be a pastor and a seminary professor because people were very productive. And the Bible exalts productivity, Hmm. and I think we should encourage Christians to be the most productive people on earth and then to be generous with what they have. But also the other aspect in the world would you have people living for mammon and making money the center of life. And Hmm. so I think those lies must be addressed, put God in his proper place there as well. So we need to address the errors are people believe that they can enjoy the blessings. You know, let's think about this from the perspective of someone who's doing biblical counseling. Would you encourage them to raise the issue of finances, even if that wasn't the quote-unquote presenting problem, what brought the person in the room? That's a great question, Steve. I have a few cases where the presenting problem is we're in overwhelming debt, we can't make enough money to survive, we're about to lose our house, and that's where it helps 
to have some background where I can help make a budget and talk about getting more income, better job. I find, though, in a large percentage of other cases, money is a secondary issue, even yep. if it wasn't the presenting problem. And usually if people are disordered in one area of their life, money right. is an area where there is disorder. Right. If there's conflict in one area of their life, there's going to be conflict over finances. And right. so I think it comes up a lot. I don't find myself having to dig in. Usually, if they're describing their conflict or their trouble mm -hmm. or their worry, they will bring up the topic of how finances fits in, and then we can help them with the Word of God. And you know, sometimes it is getting into the nitty-gritty of making a budget with a couple or an individual, or even helping them to assess what abilities and opportunities God has given them so they don't view themselves as being stuck in this low-paying, dead-end job that... Mm -hmm. I love the passage that says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will That's not right. serve ordinary men. Let's get some king-serving skills that mm -hmm. will pay $40 an hour mm -hmm. instead of the $10 an hour burger flipping skills mm -hmm. to grow in your ability to provide for your family and give to the Lord and enjoy blessing. Yeah, amen. So as you were writing, were there some specific principles that just kind of came top of mind where you thought, as I write this book, I want to be sure that people walk away believing this about finances or believing this about debt? Would you share with our listeners a couple of principles that right. really came to your mind? I think recognizing that we have a great deal of freedom with our money. It would actually be easier if the Bible just said, look, if you take your gross or your net and you give 10%, you can do whatever you want with the rest. Boy, isn't that true? You know, I want a formula. I want a check sheet. I'm a legalist at heart. You're exactly right. So go ahead. Right. And so when God gives us money, you consume, you save, and you give. Hmm. And the Bible says all of those things are valid, even that God has given us all things to enjoy, so I don't have to walk around in cheap, ill-fitting suits I got at a thrift store. And so there's a struggle there. There's a tension. We have genuine freedom. And I'm never comfortable. There's always tension. Am I giving enough away? Hmm. You know, even saving. How much is too much? That's or right. not to be irresponsible and hope my kids will support me. And so we live with those tensions. We have freedom and we have responsibility. And we're stewards of 100%. But 100% doesn't mean you give away 100%. The stewardship means that you want to enjoy some to the glory of God. The Bible talks about like the ant preparing for the future. And you want to be generous, generous enough that it hurts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one thing I said about generosity, if you've never regretted money you've given away, you've been too tight. Interesting. That if you're always so careful that it's never cost you or you've never said, boy, I got taken there, then you're probably way too careful. Yeah. You know, Jim, I can certainly see this being used as a resource in the counseling room where, where someone doing formal counseling would assign a chapter or maybe in some cases even the entire book as part of their homework assignment. Are there other settings as you were writing, were you hoping that this might be used in other study right. sessions outside of formal counseling? Here at the conference, I've had people come up to me and say they were going through the book with other people. Hmm. And so I think for some people, it could be kind of a whatever, junior college level course yeah. in finances, because it's very comprehensive. Mm -hmm. It's also with the format written as a reference, because there are 42 chapters, I think, and you can say, well, I want to learn. I'm thinking about multi-level marketing. Somebody wants me to go sell mm -hmm. essential oils. What are pros and cons? And I don't make an absolute statement about that. I give some warnings. So it can work both ways. I think for people, there could be a group of men or families that would go through it, like they would go through the Dave Ramsey stuff. I don't have as slick a presentation right now, but I think my content's a little deeper. 
and work their way through yeah. it. It has questions and opportunity for discussion. Well, and that's one of my hopes in trying to get the information about this book out is, for example, a, a men's Bible study group, and they're looking for their next resource to study, or a small group in a church, and they're looking for their next resource. Boy, I really could see them picking this one up to great profit. Thank you. Well, I, I think it's a topic people are really interested in, mm -hmm. and then they would like wisdom. And again, I don't mean disrespect to some of the materials already out there, but I think something that is of the same level of quality from a biblical counseling standpoint and using the scriptures very carefully, I did not see something out there that would fill that need. And to give credit, I think Randy Alcorn's material is the closest to what I did. Mm -hmm. So I commend that very highly. If somebody yeah. wants to read that, I'm for it. But something that could be studied through where their church is going through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It has a lot of good practical content. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for that. I think sometimes it's a bit rigor rigid in terms of their areas where the Bible gives us freedom that he just says, you've got to do it this way, mm -hmm. that I would point out, yeah, that's a way to do it. There are other ways to do it. Um, so that I would love to see it used that way. I would too. And um, I think that's a role for biblical counseling to play in general. We're certainly not, in many cases, trying to criticize or tear something else down. But if we can add a second tier of information that is more theologically robust for students who want to study at that level, and frankly, I think I would say, I think you would say, who should want to study at that level, we want to make those kind of resources available, don't we? That's why I did it. And like you said, it is hard work. And I enjoy teaching a lot more than I enjoy writing. That's interesting. You know, let's switch gears a bit and talk about a person who might be a follower of Jesus Christ and is thinking about writing. What advice would you have to give to a person like that? Start small would be one thing in terms of it's much easier to get a blog published than mm -hmm. an 80,000-word book. Yep. And then they have these mini books that can be four, six, eight, ten thousand words there's something you've counseled people on, there's something you have a passion for. And my book writing really began and has continued where I've counseled people and I needed a resource and it didn't exist, so I decided I wanted right. to try to create it. Right. So I think it's something you, you have experience in, you know well, you've probably taught it or counseled it before. But I think starting small is a good idea. It's something you have a passion for, but not huge. And then in terms of the practicalities of writing, I was given the advice of just it really helps to have blocks of time. Mm -hmm. You know, a blog you can knock out maybe in an hour or two, some people can, but I found when I was writing something big, it's like getting a 747 up in the air. There's a long <laughs> runway before yeah. you actually start feeling productive. And so, you know, taking off and then going 30 miles and landing again, I was very thankful where I'd get a week here, a week there or something. To It takes time. It does. Now, you're in an unusual situation in that your dear wife, Caroline, also writes, and she has a new book out. Can you tell our listeners, while I have you here, tell our Thank listeners you. about her book? Yeah, she and our dear friend Cheryl Marshall wrote a book with Crossway called When Words Matter Most. Hmm. And since this is a biblical counseling podcast, I'll tell you their secret intent, which is they don't use the word counseling very much, but it's a kind of entry-level counseling book for women. Interesting. To teach them how to use their speech to you know, being full of goodness, full of knowledge, able to admonish one another and to use their speech, general principles, and then dealing with particular situations, helping people who are grieving or sinning, anxious. 
how to use the words of the Bible gently to encourage other women. And so I'm very thankful also for Faith Resources, where they've sold everyone they had and more that we were able to haul in. So it's <laughs> proved to be popular. And I'm very excited for Caroline. She's the best and wisest counselor I know. Hmm. She's got about 20 different women she's meeting with regularly, and she's amazingly gifted at caring for and connecting with people, and I hope that she can transfer that to others. And that's an important part of it, isn't it? Transferring it to others. Did you think, either one of you 25 years ago, that you'd be writing books? No. I mean, I remember going to what was then CCEF conferences and hearing the speakers there, including you. I have a very vivid memory of hearing you speak. I'll tell you later what it was about. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> and, uh, but... I remember just the first time I was invited to a little breakout session, a little conference, like, who am I that they would want me to do this? Yeah. So it is amazing. And likewise with, with Caroline, you know, she would tag along with me when I started being invited to do things, and then the Lord just opened this up for her. Of all the people I've trained, I realized the other day, the person, most important person I've trained is Caroline. That's I've been discipling her as a counselor, especially since we had the empty nest many years ago. And it's been extraordinarily successful as far as I'm concerned, and it's exciting that the unique gifts she has are being replicated in others. There are so many things she does a lot better than I do. I've never seen anyone love counselees the way she does, and just into the Word with them, and she's just so excited when she sees how they respond to the Word, and I think that's what's conveyed in the book that she and Cheryl wrote. Well, and you know, isn't that just a evidence of the grace of God? where we would have never thought that, you know, something like that would happen, but you just try to be faithful, you try to learn the scriptures, you try to apply them to your own heart and life, you try to minister to them to somebody else, and boom, a decade goes by, a few decades go by, and the Lord is using people yeah. like you and Caroline in some fabulous, fabulous ways to His glory. Amen, and it's kind of weird coming to the conference like at ACBC, and people are walking up to you and saying, who am I? <laughs> that anybody knows who I am. I know. I'm just ordinary, mm -hmm. and so it's good. The, the Lord gives us tough things to keep us humble as well, but I'm very thankful. Psalm 90, you know, teach us to number our days, That's establish right. the works of our hands, and I remember reading George Whitfield's biography when he was very young. His prayer was that God would use him in important ways, hmm. and I prayed that passionately when I was in my early 20s in Saudi Arabia. and. I'm thankful that in spite of my sins and weaknesses, the Lord has seen fit to use us some, and hopefully for a while longer. Well, you know, Jim, I know that the Lord's going to use this book, so thank you very much for your great effort and sacrifice and putting it together. But money, debt, and finances, what a marvelous topic. So thank you for writing it for the church, and I look forward to using it as a counselor. Thank you. I'm so honored for your encouragement and allowing me to talk with you about it. Thank you very much. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.